Would you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12? We're going to be talking about using our gifts for God's glory today, and that was an example of it. Um, We'll be looking at verses 3 to 8 this morning. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as, each of us has, uh, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made us to be a body of believers with many different gifts. And as we talk about that today and we think about our own church and the way that you have brought together this group of people, help us, Lord, to see how each one of us has a part to play in the body of Christ, to use our gifts for your honor and glory. And we ask that all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning with a bit of review because uh, these verses obviously flow uh, together. Last week we talked about Uh, giving ourselves completely to God. We talked about how important it is that we uh, answer these three questions in our life. That there are three questions every believer must answer. The question of lordship, of whom will I serve? And we need to settle that in our heart. Are we going to serve the Lord or are we going to serve other dreams or ambitions or other gods? There is the question of lifestyle, of whose standards will I live by? Am I going to live by the world's standards or will I live by God's standards? And then the third question is the question of life's direction. What am I going to do with my life? What is the plan and the purpose that God has for me? And how can I, again, as we talk about today, use my gifts for God's glory? That is the question that we want to address this morning. How can I use my gifts in a way that will honor God and bring Him glory? And you can go to the next slide there. You know, when we talk about gifts uh, in that regard, it's not just our talents and abilities that we have naturally, but it is the spiritual gifts that God has given to us as well that are empowered by Him and anointed by Him to be used in the church. And everyone has one, as we will see as we go along in this passage. And how we use those gifts needs to be directed by our understanding of the Scripture. In verses 1 and 2, Paul had urged us not only to give ourselves completely to God, but to say no to the world, to not be conformed to this world's pattern any longer, and instead be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the renewing of our mind means that we are going to think rightly about certain things. It means that we will think rightly about ourselves, that we will think rightly about our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, about other believers, and that we will think rightly about our gifts, the gifts that God has given to us. 
And we're going to be looking at that today. I want to thank uh, especially Kent Hughes as I was studying this week. I really appreciated some of the comments that he had made and his outline for this particular text that I thought were just right on target with the passage. So as we consider using our gifts for God's glory, we want to begin by thinking rightly about ourselves as we look at verse 3. Again, Paul says that we are not to think too highly of ourselves and we're not to think too lowly either. When he says we are not to think too highly of ourselves, he's saying that we are not to be proud or conceited about the gifts and abilities that we have been given. And sometimes people do that, don't they? It may have even been a problem in the church at Rome, which is why Paul included that here. And sometimes people have too high an opinion of themselves. Or they begin to think that they're sort of God's gift to the church or God's gift to the world. And it only creates friction in the body of Christ and among other believers. There's no place for pride or calling attention to ourselves in the body of Christ. We are to call attention to Jesus Christ as we point others to Him. And yet, on the other hand, we're not to think too little of ourselves either. And some people can put on a false sense of humility and say things like, well, I can never do that, or I'm just sort of a lowly person here, a humble servant, and they can call attention to themselves with kind of a false humility that is just as prideful as the person who's boasting about himself. Instead, Paul says we are to think of ourselves with a sober judgment. A sound judgment. And that's really what true humility is. True humility is seeing ourselves as God sees us. As people who are made in His image, as people who have been given gifts and abilities that He intends for us to use, as people who understand our place in the world and in the body of Christ, and who want to use our gifts fully to bring Him honor and glory. Paul was an example of that. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about a position of privilege and prominence in the church. He was one of those who would help to lay or build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and lay this framework for the church and how it is to function in the world. And yet Paul knew that he had that position by the grace of God. And that's why he begins verse 3 by saying, For by the grace given me... I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given to you. Paul knew that his calling was a privilege. It was a privilege to be an apostle and also a great responsibility. When he says that we are to think about ourselves according to the measure of faith that God has given to us, there are a couple different ways to understand that. On the one side, that word measure means standard. And the standard of comparison for every believer is Jesus Christ. It's not one another. We are not to compare ourselves with one another and think, well, I'm sort of doing a little bit better than this person, or maybe not quite as well as this person. You know, he's saying, no, the measure or the standard that we use is Jesus Christ. Are we becoming more and more like Him? Are we growing in Christ-likeness, in our obedience, in our love, in our service? And that will keep all of us humble if we are looking to Him. But on the other side, 
This verse can also mean that we are to use our gifts in accordance with how much faith we have. And if we are growing in our faith, then our capacity for service will also grow. Let me explain what I mean there. You know, all of us should continue to grow in our understanding of Christ and who we are and our gifts and ability. And as we do that, we gain more confidence. We see God use us and we're able to be involved in greater ministry and opportunities. When I think about my own life, I could never have pastored a church this size coming just out of seminary. I would have been overwhelmed. Uh, It's a big responsibility, but over the years, I have grown and our church has grown and our church structure and the way that we involve so many people in the body of Christ has grown to share the load and responsibility of ministry. And that's really the way that it should be. As we begin to mature in our relationship with Christ and we see Him use us, our capacity should get greater and greater through the years in terms of what we can handle and do for His glory. A friend of mine that I was talking to this past week, was um, we were kicking that idea around and he was saying, you know, it seems like in everyone's life there's three phases that we, that we go through. There is that phase when we are a young adult. Maybe we've just finished school or high school or college and we're trying to find our way in the world and what it is that we're going to do. Whether it is in work or ministry, there's a phase where we kind of have to prove to ourselves that we can do it. You know, we kind of prove to ourselves that we have certain gifts and abilities and we can function and make our way in the world and accomplish some things that we have set our mind on. And then there comes that second phase where after we've sort of given ourselves some confidence, we feel like we have to prove to others that we can do the job or we can handle the responsibilities that we have been given. And then the third phase that we move into after we've gone through those is that third phase where we don't have to prove to anyone anymore what we can do. We've come to that place of contentment where we realize and we understand who we are by God's grace and what we can do by God's grace. And we realize the people that we need around us to complement our gifts and abilities because we can't do everything. And we come to that point of contentment, understanding who we are, how God has made us, that's when He can use us most fully. We don't have to try to impress people anymore. We don't have to try and you know pat ourselves on the back or boast about or call attention to what we've done. We just give credit to God. And we work together in harmony in the body of Christ because we understand that we need one another. That's the place that the Holy Spirit wants to bring us to. That place where we understand what our gifts are, who we are in Christ, and we use those gifts for His honor and glory. And what a wonderful place it is to be at that point of contentment and fruitful service in the kingdom. Secondly, Paul urges us to think rightly about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this passage, he uses the analogy of the human body in verses 4 and 5. And he says, Just as each of us is one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the other. Paul will use this analogy of the human body in other places as well, like in 
1 Corinthians 12 or 1 Peter 4, it shows up as Peter talks about our relationship to one another. But Paul's analogy emphasizes three things. It emphasizes the unity of the church. We are one body. It emphasizes the diversity of the church. We have many members. And it emphasizes the mutuality of the church, our interconnectedness, and the fact that we need one another. When you think about the human body, I mean, you know, we need all of those parts, don't we? A person can live without a hand or even an arm or a leg, but you can't live without a heart. You can't live without a brain. You can't live without those organs that are so essential to life. And in the body of Christ, we have many different members who all have different gifts. And we need one another in the body of Christ to be complete and to carry out the ministry that He has given to us in a community, within the church itself, and in the world. And what a joy it is when those members understand that and are working together. I like to use a sports analogy to kind of describe how this works in the body of Christ. You know, this is the time of year when a lot of baseball teams are uh, in Florida or Arizona and they're getting ready for the season. Minnesota Twins are down in the Fort Myers area and they're getting ready for a new year. And if you are a Twins fan, it looks like it may be a pretty good year coming up. In some ways, a, a team is like a church. When you think of the coach or the manager of the team, his responsibility is to look at those players that are out on the field every day and he's really evaluating talent and he's evaluating who's going to play where and he's trying to put together the best team on the field that he can. As a manager, uh, his role is to try and prepare those players and to develop their talents and abilities to be the best that they can be. But the manager can only work with the players that he's been given. It's the general manager or the owner who sign and award the contracts and bring in the players. And then the manager works with them. Every player has a position that he is best suited for. Pitchers don't try to be power hitters and infielders don't try to pitch, usually. As a pastor, my role is very much like a manager on a team. Actually, we talk about that as pastors, that we are more like player coaches. We're involved in the game, but we are also coaching others as we are involved in ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 talks about that, how God gave some to the church to be equippers of others to do the work of ministry. And so our role as pastors is to come alongside of those people that He has brought to be a part of our church and to help you to discover your gifts to encourage you and equip you and to help you to use those in the best place in which you can serve. And we all do that for God's glory. But the really cool part when I think about my role as a pastor in the church is that uh, if you use the baseball analogy, my general manager and the owner is God. It's God who understands exactly what we need as a church to carry out the ministry that He has given to us in this community and our role in the world in terms of His kingdom. 
And God brings to our church individuals who have certain gifts and abilities and talents that help to minister in our church, whether it's to our youngest children or whether it's to teenagers or adults or whether it's our role in the community in various ministries that we have going on here. I've been amazed too, even in this search process, to think of how God's hand has been at work sovereignly to bring uh, staff into our church in this time of transition that I think are going to step right in and carry on the ministry that Pastor Ron developed and that Dan has developed in these areas, and that we're going to continue to grow in a new season of ministry. Uh, Jason Carlson is an exceptional young man who's been gifted by God to work uh, in this pastor of adult ministries role. He loves working with all age groups, but in particular, he has been working in his present church with young adults, singles and couples and families, involving them in the ministry of the church. And that's his passion. His passion is really to see you develop your gifts and to come alongside. He sees himself as an encourager and an equipper. And he is excited about this. And what's so amazing to me is the very fact that he already lives in our community. I mean, you know, he moved here about a year and a half ago, and he and his wife were continue to serve in a church in the cities, but they moved out in this area as they were looking for housing for their family. And he told me this week, you know, one day he was at Brinks about a year and a half ago or so, and uh, he and his wife were coming out of the grocery store, and they said, you know, wouldn't it be neat if God would someday open up a place for ministry in our community? They would just love that because they've been meeting young couples and families and they've been sending them our way already because it's a little easier to send them here than it is to invite them and bring them down to the cities where they worship. And so he thought, wouldn't that be really neat if we could serve in our community? And so when he heard about this position opening up, he was uh, very interested in applying and seeing if perhaps this is a place where God would lead him to serve. And when I think about the other changes taking place, uh, this particular Tuesday night our elders are going to be meeting with uh, another pastor who we would like to bring on part-time to our church who would assist me with some of the responsibilities related to our ministry, pastoral duties, counseling, uh, working with those of you in our church who have uh, needs that come up from time to time in the benevolence area. He will work with Bev uh, Phillips in that as our director of care ministries. And he'll be a senior associate pastor who will kind of help to share the load as both Pastor Ron and Pastor Dan will be stepping aside from their responsibilities. We just felt it would be very wise for us to bring someone on board who could help in those areas and who has the experience and the wisdom and background to do that. Uh, He'll be part-time, but he is a great fit for our ministry, and I'm looking forward to introducing Uh, this particular pastor to you as well. But I stand in awe of that, of what God has done as he is putting together this particular team of staff for a new phase of ministry. And when I look at you and I think about our church and the existing ministries that we have, when when I come here on Wednesday night, you know, and I'm seeing what's going on with our Awana program, Or I see what happens with our youth ministry and the number of staff and lay leaders that participate in that. When I think about those who work behind the scenes every week so that you can enjoy the worship service, 
who care for the building and grounds, who take care of the administrative duties. We are indeed a body of believers, and we really do need one another. And that's why this statement that's up on the screen is so important. We are one body with many members who belong to one another. Would you say that with me? We are one body with many members who belong to one another. That is exactly what Paul is saying here in this passage. He wants us to think rightly about ourselves. He wants us to think rightly about one another. And he wants us to think rightly about our gifts. And we see that in verses 6 to 8. He tells us there that we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You see, every believer is called to the same standard of holiness and dedication. We saw that last week in verses 1 and 2. We are all called to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We are all called to live a life of love. We are to love one another. We are to love God with all of our heart. We are called to holiness. We are to honor Him in obedience to the things that He has asked of us. But how we serve in the body of Christ will be different, and that's what this passage reflects. So same standard of obedience and holiness and commitment to Christ. Again, difference in how we function in the body of Christ. All being important. So what do we learn about the different gifts that God has given to us? What do we learn about spiritual gifts from this passage and others? Well, he tells us that we all have one. No one is left out. In the body of Christ, everyone has a spiritual gift, at least one. And sometimes more than one, as people have been blessed in different areas. But usually one gift is primary. There is a gift that relates to our greatest passion and joy and service. And we are, when we are working in that area and using our gifts, there's a fulfillment that comes, a joy. And ministry is not draining for us in that regard. There's an energy that comes as we serve and use our gifts. This particular list of spiritual gifts is not exhaustive. Uh, there are seven here given in Romans. There are at least 19 gifts listed in Scripture when we look at the other passages in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Peter 4. But most of the commentators don't even believe that that is complete. That there are other gifts There are gifts God has given people like musical talent, the ability to sing or to play instruments, the ability even in photography to use that as a gift of worship, or design. And some people have gifts in craftsmanship. Some are writers. Some are artists. And all of those gifts can be used for God's glory. That's the exciting part when we are fully devoted to Him. I mean, we saw an example of that in the DVD that Justin and Caleb did this morning. In a few weeks, Pastor Dan told me he wants to bring in, uh, as a part of the worship, some 
cloggers to dance in a song that he's wanted to use for some time. That has a, It's a Robin Mark song that has a little bit of a river dance feel to it. You know, all of those gifts can be used as an act of worship when they are committed to the Lord. Spiritual gifts may be in line with our natural talents, but they are empowered by God to accomplish His purposes. They are blessed by God, and they point people back to Him. Someone may have the natural ability to teach. They're just good at organizing information and presenting it with clarity and communicating that. But it is a spiritual gift when it touches the hearts of people and points them to God. And when there is an anointing on it or a blessing on it where people come to understand the Scripture and it is so clear and helpful to them in their Christian life. That's a gift and a work of the Holy Spirit. Someone may have the natural ability to lead. They are made that way. They step forward. They can lead people to accomplish a task. But as a spiritual gift, it is different because when one has that gift given by the Holy Spirit, they lead in such a way that others not only work together to accomplish a task, but they glorify and honor God in the way that they carry it out. And that leader leads with a servant leadership that is reflected in Jesus Christ. And they come to understand that we are not to lord it over people and we're not to be heavy-handed, but we are to lead by example in such a way that it points others to Jesus Christ. It's interesting to me that in this passage of Scripture, Paul doesn't spend a good deal of time defining the gifts or explaining what they are. What Paul does focus on is how we use our gifts. How we use our gifts is very important. And so he says, if one has the gift of prophecy, which can be both forthtelling and foretelling, it can be predictive as well as speaking forth the Word of God. Prophets are those who tend to see things black and white, very clear in terms of what God wants us to do. And they're not afraid to speak the truth and to say what it is. And they speak prophetically in that way. Paul says, if you have that gift, use it according to the proportion of your faith. Trust God. Trust that God is speaking through you. And share that word in faith. If your gift is service, and many people in the body of Christ have that gift, the word here, diakonoi, is the same word that's used for deacons. And it's a word that we use for ministers in the body of Christ. Not the pastoral minister, but everybody who serves in a ministry. When I think about our ministry teams in the different areas that work with children and youth and adults and missions and worship, all of you are servants, ministers in that regard. Whatever team you are on, and you have a gift and a passion to use in that way, but God has called you to be servants of the larger body of Christ. And so he says, use that gift well as unto the Lord. He'll talk about if your gift is encouraging, for example. And that's the very same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit as a comforter, a counselor, an exhorter. Then he says, I want you to do that well, to come alongside people, to encourage them and build them up and exhort them to use their gifts. 
If your gift is contributing to the needs of others and you see a need and you are moved to help and you have the means to help, then do that. Give generously to care for one another in the body of Christ and you will be blessed by that. And if your gift is showing mercy, and those who have the gift of mercy love to come alongside of people that are hurting, uh, people that are sick, people that are in need, and they come alongside of them with compassion and encouragement and they show comfort. And so Paul says, if your gift is showing mercy, then do that cheerfully. Come alongside and be that bright spot in a person's life. Pray for them. Help them. Encourage and support them in their times of need. You know, as we look at that list, probably all of us could identify with one or another of those that we feel God has given us. In our particular world, as we have ministered with others, maybe people have even commented on it. That you have a servant heart. Or you are just a cheerful, encouraging person. Or I know how generous you have been to help others in need. Or I appreciate the leadership that you have given in the body of Christ or in a particular area of ministry. Paul is saying, remember, every one of those gifts is given by God's grace. That's number five. That every gift we have is given by God's grace. And there is no place for pride in that. To think that somehow we were more deserving or better. No, God simply by His sovereign grace chose to give us these gifts. And He wants us to use them in a way that honors Him. I also want to make the point that just because we may not have a spiritual gift in one area or another doesn't mean that we aren't to show mercy or it doesn't mean that we aren't to encourage or it doesn't mean that we aren't to give. All of us are to grow in grace in each of these areas as we mature in Christ But there will be one primary area in which God has called us to serve. Do you know what that is for you? Do you know the gifts that God has given to you? And do you have a passion? And are you using that today in the body of Christ? That's the most important thing we need to discover. I ran across this story of a businessman who came to recognize that even in his line of work. His name was J.L. Kraft. He is the founder of Kraft Foods. And there's probably not a home in America that hasn't enjoyed one of his products at some time or another. If you have little kids, you've probably had a lot of macaroni and cheese through the years or things like that. Well, J.R. Kraft, when he started his business, had great ambitions. But he started out as just a door-to-door salesman trying to sell cheese to people on the streets of Chicago. And it wasn't going so well when he first started out in terms of his dreams and plans. In fact, he was quite discouraged by it and he came to the realization in his own life that he had things turned around. He would say that later that the breakthrough for him and his business did not come until the day when he chose to put God first in his life and make his dreams and his ambitions subordinate to following Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. And when he committed himself to God and said, Here I am, Lord, and he committed his business to the Lord and the plans that he had, God began to bless in an extraordinary way. And many years later, 
James Craft made this statement. He said, I would rather be a layman in the North Shore Baptist Church than to head the greatest corporation in America. My first job is serving Jesus. What a great attitude to have. He understood that he needed to put things first in his life that were the priority. His relationship with God and serving Him. And when he put God first in his life, all the other things began to come in line. And God blessed him in an extraordinary way. It doesn't mean for each of us that if we are in business that God's going to bless in that kind of fashion or to the same degree. But it does mean that when we put God first in our life, He will use us perhaps far beyond what you could ever think or imagine. Our first job is serving Jesus. So, have you identified your gifts and your abilities and are you using them in a way that honors God? If you need help with that, in discovering your gifts, there are things that we have done in our church. You know, there are assessment tools that you can use. And we've taught a class on spiritual gifts from time to time to help people with that. But you know, the easiest way to discover your gifts is simply to get involved in ministry. To follow the, the way that God has made you and seemed to use you in the past or to follow that area where you have an interest and desire to serve and trust God in that. And as you use your gifts, there will be others who will come alongside and who will affirm you or encourage you along the way. That's the role of the body of Christ as we see one another in service. And He will give you greater and greater responsibilities as you grow in using those gifts. As we are faithful in those small things, he gives us greater things. And again, He will use us far beyond what we could think. So I want to close today with a prayer that's going to be up on the screen. It's a prayer. I want to read it first, and then I want all of us to pray that together as we close this morning. It's a prayer that says, Lord, help me to see myself as you see me. That's the idea of recognizing who we are in Christ and the way that He has made us. Lord, help me to affirm and encourage my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. That's appreciating and valuing those who belong to our church and the role that they play in the body of Christ. And it may even mean this week that you want to drop a thank you note to someone that you've been meaning to say thanks to for the way that maybe they minister to your children or your youth or maybe it's the work that they do behind the scenes that nobody else seems to notice or recognize. Maybe you have noticed it and you want to say thank you to them today. Or maybe it's for those that serve in other areas of ministry and you just appreciate a time when they encouraged you or by their example or by their work in the church. I want to affirm you and ask you to do that. And then the third part of this prayer is saying to God, would you use my gifts for your glory? Help me to do that, Lord, I pray. So let's read this together as our prayer this morning. Lord, help me to see myself as you see me, to affirm and encourage my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and to use my gifts for your glory. Amen.